This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. When I was a kid, I remember three times when I saved up for a bicycle. The first time was in 1970, and I was eight years old. That day stands out because there were gas wars going on, and I still remember that. My dad was so excited to pay 16 or 17 or 18 cents a gallon instead of the usual 27 cents, or even worse. The mobile station in our town was charging 30 cents a gallon, a ridiculously <laughs> high price. Well, after filling up, we went to the hardware store where I bought my red bicycle, and I was thrilled. Then a few years later, when I was in fourth or fifth grade, I bought a purple bike with a banana seat. You I remember, remember the banana yeah. seats. Yep, and hey, sure. I, I even tricked it out a bit. I put a sissy bar on the back. Oh, my. You know, that, that bar that just yep. shoots up. Yep, yep, yep. Well, we, we used to jump garbage cans pretending that we were evil Knievel. You know, that back does in date the day. you, my friend. I know. Evil Knievel. <laughs> I know it does. You know, he's from Butte, Montana, and some of his relatives live in the Bozeman area, but... Anyway, then in 7th or 8th grade, I bought a 10-speed, and that was cool. It was a good bike, uh, even though I wrecked it while, while waving to this pretty girl <laughs> in my 8th grade class. Well, I was, we had just finished 8th grade, and I'm holding this stuff. So I'm riding along, and I look over, and there, there she is, and blonde-haired girl. And I just kind of did the cool wave, and my pedal hit the curb. And I flipped, and all I remember seeing is papers fluttering down out of the sky, and I never... I've never heard you tell that oh, story. Man, I never did look over to see what uh, what she just was doing. Just keep moving. That's right, just keep moving. So, But the point I was desperately trying to make was, I, I still remember the joy of, of purchasing those bikes. Do you have anything like that from your childhood, Dave? And, and, and this is going somewhere related to fly fishing. We'll get there in a minute, but... The one thing I remember, well, a lot of things I remember, and I can't remember if I purchased it or it was a gift, but was this little purple Panasonic radio. I can still remember holding that thing and listening to the Minnesota Twins play-by-play uh-huh, nice. play by Herb Carneal. Wow. And Herb was the, was the announcer for the Minnesota Twins, and I remember the hot humid nights in the middle of the summer in North Dakota on the second floor. My dad was a pastor in a small rural community called Glen Ullen, North Dakota. Oh. And I had a little room on the on the top floor and I just remember laying there in the bed listening to the Minnesota wow. Twins baseball. Harmon Killebrew, oh, Rod right. Carew, Crew. Tony Oliva. Tony yeah. Oliva, Larry Heisel, George oh, Mitterwald. Wow. Oh man. So, so that, that that item brought you a lot of joy, didn't it? Oh my! Uh, wow. So much joy. Yep. And there are so many items like that yeah. you received, like the first shotgun that I yes, purchased. I remember or... that. I was ten. Ten years <laughs> yes. old. Twenty gauge uh, single shot shotgun. It was an Ithaca. Uh, ten years old. Yeah. Can you imagine the? Not, not the... that. Yeah, not that I could just take it to my room with my shells and things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, exactly. You know, my dad kept throw the it in ammo, the corner. But that's yeah. right. But. Well, can you imagine, you know, we live in the suburbs where 
No, oh, my it used word. to be helicopter parents, and it was lawnmower parents, and now yeah. it's snowplow parents. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine them handing or purchasing a that's right a, a, a twenty gauge shotgun for their child? That's right. Here's a shotgun, son. <laughs> a few, but oh, not very man. many. Well, why we bring this up is because uh, since we've matured somewhat, we hope, <laughs> you know, and we've reached more or a, less. Yeah, that's right. But now that we're mature adults, asterisk by that. There's something else that we've purchased, and I have to say I've purchased three times, and it's brought me about as much joy and anticipation as the, the months of saving for those bicycles, and it's the purchase of a new fly rod. You know, as fun as buying a fly rod can be, though, it's, it's also a bit bewildering if you're new to fly fishing. So we're going to try to help our listeners today. And Dave, I think I'm right in saying that we have... Quite a few people search for this topic on our website, don't we? We do. We've been podcasting for, well, it will be four years in several uh, weeks, and we have published one podcast episode every week, and we have published one new article or post or blog post every week. And Steve has carried the, the weight of that, most of the article writing, and the top three articles by a long by by a large measure are the first one is the t- 10 commandments of waiting the second one is fun facts about the movie a river runs through it and the third is is the five weight rod the best all around so that article is the five weight rod the best all around gets searched a lot and it gets searched in different ways like best fly rod for first time fly fisher or best fly rod for trout the phrases are a little bit different we can see some of the phrases in the search but that topic on fly rods and which is the best overall fly rod is the top is the is is one of the top articles in our uh, on our website yeah so that's why we thought we'd talk about it today Uh, so imagine that you are uh, getting ready to purchase a fly rod, a new fly rod, and uh, you're a new fly fisher, what are the things that you need to consider when you buy a new fly rod? And we've tried to boil this down to about five big categories. Dave, where would you say we ought to start? I think we should begin with size, and that reflects obviously the people searching for uh, the five-weight fly rod, but it's size, and that has to do with length and weight. Now, we're going to assume for a moment that you are going to purchase one rod. You have only rod, one rod or you will purchase only one rod. As we all know, uh, fly rods are like, I'm trying to think of it, they're, try, they're like cars. If you have one, you got to have two or three. Or, if, yeah, or golf clubs. Or yeah. golf clubs. Mm-hmm. I mean, typically, uh, if you fly fish for any amount of time, uh, you've you've you have multiple fly rods, but let's just say you're going to purchase one fly rod. So the gold standard, if you're going to purchase one fly rod, is the nine foot rod, either as a five or six weight. That is, your rod is designed for five weight line or six weight line. And your article that you wrote, which is called "Is the Five Weight Fly Rod the Best Around?" You talk about how you used to think it was the nine foot six, but then after reading uh, Kirk Dieter, I think his name mm-hmm. is that Trout yeah, Unlimited. Outdoor Life, yeah, Trout most, Unlimited. Yeah, yep. it's really the nine-foot five-weight is the most 
common rod. It's the one that is most versatile and used, you know, in bigger rivers and in smaller creeks. So that is the gold standard. It is. Now, a way to think about this, if you're a hunter, uh, think of a five weight as a 270 caliber, 270 Winchester, and a six weight as a 30-06. And you, you can't go wrong with either one if you're hunting deer. Good night, even if you're hunting elk. If you use a heavy enough bullet, I've seen elk taken down with a 270. Uh, but uh, there, there is a difference, and I, I always thought that the six weight would have been more popular, and that's because of all the fishing we do in the West. But no, it's the nine foot five weight. I, I'd always see Trout Unlimited, you know, buy this lifetime membership for a thousand bucks, and we'll give you a high end Sage or Winston, and and it was a nine foot five, and I thought, yeah, that's probably because they had those left over. But uh, no, it's because that's the most popular. So, uh, Dave, I think you're the you're like me. I think we both prefer a six weight. Why is that? What's what's kind of the difference? The big difference is wind in fishing those bigger rivers in the west. Now, obviously, if you're fishing steelhead uh, or you know fish that are consistently over twenty inches or twenty five inches, you might have a seven weight or even yeah, an, eight weight. To an eight yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but generally fishing in the west given the wind and given the size of the mm-hmm. of the rivers that we're fishing we like or i like both of us and i got this from you obviously yeah. i'm learning i learned all this from you but i, I came to appreciate the no wonder you're foot. such a bad fly exactly fisher. <laughs> i need to uh, i need to find another model <laughs> that's right but in, and you can feel this um yeah you know, if you're and it, also is great for streamers. A little heavier rod mm-hmm. and that yeah. line weight for streamers. I really like the nine foot six. So, yeah. um, you and I both use a nine foot right. six, but according to Kirk yeah. Dieter, the most common sized rod is a nine foot five weight. Yeah, and we're really not interested in debating or arguing that. I, I oh, could care on. less yeah, whether exactly. you use a five or a six weight. It's like when I was growing up, outdoor life had these, you know, kind of these arguments between columnists about which is better, an aught six or a 270, and you'd read these passionate columns. Then you realize later, oh, they're just doing that. to that That's what draws in exactly. readers. And, yeah. 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 But either either one's fine. But, yeah, 9'5", 9'6", that's kind of the standard. This reminds me, it must have been like 25 years ago, Jan and I had just moved from Colorado to the Chicago area, and in Glen Ellen, which is the town right next to us, we actually lived there for a couple of years. So Glen Ellen, North Dakota, where you live, but now you're near Glen Ellen. That's yeah, exactly, yeah. two different towns. But there was a small fly shop called the Fly and Field, and I still remember walking in there one afternoon. It was on a Friday afternoon, and this—he uh, was a big man—had uh, just walked in there and said, "Hey, I'm going to Montana." I need some gear. And you could just see the clerk, his eyes got real big, and he directed him to the most expensive fly rods. Of course, <laughs> it was yes. like a $1,500 or $2,000 oh fly word. rod. Oh, word. Wow. <laughs> that guy walked out of there with probably four or $5,000 of gear. He had Man. new waders, new fly rod. I mean, he had the works. And that's why you have a fly rod in the <laughs> the north or the west suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> so anyway, so that, I don't know why... I had that thought in my head, but it reminds me. But yeah, so the, if you're going to get one rod, it's your, you know, you're just starting out. Really, the nine foot five weight, you just can't go wrong with that, right? Right. Yeah, an eight or eight and a half might work well with smaller streams, but the the nine foot that that extra length helps handle line for longer casts. By the way, an eight foot 
or eight and a half foot four weights, a terrific lightweight rod for dry fly fishing and nymphing on spring creeks. And that was, that was my second rod. I mean, any more in the last five years, those are the only two rods I use. If I get a chance to go somewhere up in Wisconsin for salmon, or if I'm in Alaska visiting family, I, you know, I'll take the nine foot eight weight, but uh, really, you know, between a nine foot six and then a uh, an eight and a half foot four weight for a little lighter fishing, uh, that's great. Now the lighter rod doesn't handle a, a big woolly bugger, a weighted woolly bugger quite as well. So that's, you know, that's that's the trade off there. So you could have your second rod could be that eight and a half four weight, or you could get a nine foot or nine and a half foot eight or ten for steelhead or salmon, but. You're right. First thing, when you're going to buy a rod, you have to say, okay, if this is going to be my my go-to all-around rod, at least for a while, until I until I have the money to buy something else, or until I figure out if I want to, you know, want to fly fish more. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that nine foot five or six. I rod. would also add, we didn't talk about the Euro nymphing rods. Right. You know, yeah. if you're going to get a Euro nymphing rod, generally one of the standard mm-hmm. is the ten foot three weight. And get the yeah. ten and a half, mm-hmm. two weight, usually two weight and three weight okay. um, that I'm familiar with. Um, but again, that's that's most people are not going to start out Euro right. So no. okay, well, here's another uh, basic to, to consider, and really, you don't even have to think about this because almost every rod that you're going to buy as a as a beginner standard fly rod is going to be made out of the same materials. So we're talking materials here. Uh, almost all rods today are made out of graphite. And back when I was uh, just dabbling in fly fishing, late 70s when I was in high school, and, and then on into the 80s, it was, uh, you know, it was all fiberglass. That was the kind of the cutting-edge technology. But graphite is lighter and stronger than either fiberglass or bamboo. I mean, originally, fly rods were made out of bamboo. And so your graphite rods can be thinner and longer. Uh, the, again, the length is important for handling more line, making longer casts. Uh, so that, that, that replaced fiberglass. That was the it material back in the 70s when I first purchased a, a Fenwick. Actually, it was like the second fiberglass rod. I, I think I bought a real cheap Day Iowa was the brand. But then I bought a Fenwick blank and I actually... Uh, made my own fly rod. You know, you just tie on the guides. And mm. I think I made a cork handle gluing, you know, the cork rings together and sanding it down. It was kind of fun, but it was all fiberglass. Now, bamboo is still a thing. And it's it's like driving a vintage car, though. So if you if you got in a 1970 Chevelle Super Sport and it has a 396 or a 454 and a four-barrel carburetor, uh, it's going to be a bit more temperamental. And with the the older clutches, not the the hydraulic, is it hydraulic clutches? You know, the ones yeah. that were, they're a little bit more automatic. That you couldn't pop them quite as easily. Well, yeah, so I guess a bamboo rod, it kind of has that vintage feel, which can be a lot of fun or can be really frustrating. Uh, but most rods today are graphite. Now, Winston uh, does something a little bit different. They use boron or boron fibers in the butt section of their rods, Uh, I guess because of its strength and the the stiffness creates 
uh, a greater energy and drive when you're loading your rod for yeah, casting. Casting. So but... uh, have you found that with your Winston? It makes you a better caster? Nothing makes me a better caster, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really like it. Honestly, I I don't know that I'm, well, I know I'm not proficient enough that if you, I, I mean, I can tell the difference between that and say your Sage 1 because they're different style of rods, but I don't think it's, I'm certain that, that I couldn't tell the difference between a rod that had boron and one that didn't just yeah. if, if that was the only determining factor but my stage is so stiff yeah yeah that's yeah. right it's actually hard to mend because it's so stiff your rod is is like a mid flex i don't know what it, it is. is we're going to talk about that's another category yeah. we'll, we'll get there as well so yeah if, if there's one of these five that you really don't have to think about it's materials but just know that uh, you're looking for a graphite rod. I mean, that's helpful because if you go to a garage sale and there's an old fly rod and it's, man, you can get this for 10 bucks. Well, you, you get an old fiberglass rod or maybe an old bamboo rod with a, the metal ferrules. You know, that's where you connect the, the pieces together. Well, the bamboo rod could be a vintage rod, but the fiberglass is just going to be clunkier than yeah, a graphite. It's an old rod. It's like yeah. an old set of golf clubs. Yeah, absolutely. So size, that's the, the length and the weight of the rod. Uh, materials. Uh, Dave, what else do you have to consider when you are looking to buy a new rod? <laughs> well, most of us have to deal with some form of budget constraints. Uh-huh. So price is important. Yeah, it's a big issue. Maybe maybe that's actually the first thing people think about. Right. How much does it cost, yeah. right? How uh, much does it cost? If you have to ask, you can't afford it, right? That's the, always the line <laughs> yeah. of that. But so you can purchase a rod between 100 and 200 dollars. In fact, the moonshine rods I think are about 225, 250, mm -hmm. or maybe yep. even 275. So, but there's rods that are less than that. So the mm -hmm. disc, what's called the discount position uh, in branding, there's these lower level rods. And for most fly fishers starting out, you just simply can't tell the difference. No, uh, you're just struggling to get that fly, you know, yep. out. 10 feet or 20 feet. And we've both caught a lot of fish yeah. on rods oh that cost gosh. less than 100 bucks. I've got a Reddington that I yeah. use as an eight and a half four weight, which is a lower end rod. And yeah, I, you know, I use that as my eight and a half four weight. Yeah. And I just don't have any problems catching fish with that thing. And I no, could get, a, I could get a, you know, a Winston eight and a half four weight, but I think, well, why? Yeah. Right. Well, I mostly because it's expensive and I, you know, would rather purchase something else with the gear. Yeah. But, uh, if you're looking at quote unquote top of the line rods, they're that are not custom. Now, before we go any further, we should say there are those high end custom rods, right? You can, the sky's the limit, you know, mm -hmm. 2,000, 3,000, yeah. 4,000, 5,000. So we're not talking about that. When we say a high end rod, we're talking roughly around a thousand dollars, eight hundred to a thousand dollars. Sage, uh, I have a Sage One that's about nine hundred. You have mm -hmm. a Winston that's about the same. Orvis yeah, if has, I had to buy it today, it sure would be. Yep. Orvis has mm -hmm. an H three that's about that same price. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if and if you really love fly fishing, they have the money. It's great to have a go to rod to be something at that higher level. Yeah, there's also something just beyond these higher levels there's like the 1500 1800 range one of those would be tom morgan rodsmiths out of out of uh out of bozeman montana tom morgan used to own winston 
and he's now gone. He's he's right. gone. But the uh, one of his legacies is this brand called the Tom. Is it called Tom Morgan yeah, Rodsmith? Tom I think. Morgan Rodsmith. And they is have a some company. very yeah. very nice rods, and you can yeah. tell the difference. We've I've never fished with one, but I've talked to people who are much more proficient than I am, and say, yeah, you pick up one of these, you know, sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred dollar rods, you, it's a different rod. You know, you're, but by so, the way, Dave, so if, if you're thinking about a birthday gift for me exactly. next year, Tom Morgan Rods, I think I'll just be writing on your Facebook wall, <laughs> giving you a happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Maybe with a picture of yeah, it. Exactly. Tom Morgan Rod. Oh, so I, man. again, I have a nine foot six, a Sage yeah. nine foot six, which is really my go to rod. Uh, except when I'm fishing the driftless, I'll I might use it in the driftless if I'm fishing if I know I'm going to fish streamers all day, mm-hmm. then I might use yeah. it for that. But generally, if I'm fishing nymphs or dries, I'll fish my eight and a half four yeah. weight. And what what about you? What do you have? Well, really, the first uh, quality fly rod that I bought was an Orvis, and that was back uh, I I don't remember if it was late '90s or maybe it was maybe it was 2001 or two some sometime in there and. I remember it was one of the first rods that uh, Toby at Fins and Feathers sold after he opened his business, and and I really liked it. It was a good, just a good solid. You know, Orvis has always been kind of what I'd consider a blue collar rod company. But then I moved to Montana. I moved from Montana to Illinois, and that was a two piece rod. And about that time, the technology had become proficient enough that. That a, that a four-piece rod, that the action was just as good as a two-piece. You know, they, I think there was a time where the more pieces to a rod that you'd have, the, the more pieces meant you'd, you'd lose some of the performance, some of the action. Of the yeah. action. Yeah. But then they, they you know, technology made a four-piece just like a two-piece. And so I'm in Illinois, and we're, we're traveling, we're flying. Now they're going to charge uh, for carry-on and... And so I bought, I wanted a four-piece. So remember, we we headed to Montana. I thought, okay, I'm just going to buy a rod here because there's no sales tax. And I think I went in Fins and Feathers, and they didn't have a nine-foot six-weight in stock, the the one that I wanted. So I ran over to another fly shop. I thought, okay, I'll get a Sage. And I was just ready to get this $450 Sage. And then I picked up up a Winston yeah, they're boron two X, and it was six twenty five. This is like in two thousand eight, and and I thought oh, I don't know, but it felt so nice. And I'm, yeah, I'm not the kind of fly fisher. Yeah, you know, there's some casters they can just pick up a rod instantly or after two casts. It just feels so different. I'm not that way, but I picked that up. And I thought, oh man, this feels like an ultralight. I really like this. And so I paid 625 bucks, but you know what? I love it, and I'll fish with it, hopefully for the rest of my life. I mean, it's got a 25, I think it's a 25-year rod guarantee, or is it lifetime? I can't remember, but there's no way I'm going to say, oh, I need the Boron 3X, which my son got one of those, and honestly, I can't tell any difference. Uh, but, yeah, that so that's my high-end rod, and I... I, I don't have a problem justifying that because I'm not going to go out and buy a new rod every couple of years. Besides that, I have a, about a $350 Orvis 8.5 4 weight that I love for Spring Creeks, and 95% of my fishing is those are those two rods. And then, yeah, I did pick up, a, actually somebody gave me a, a 9 foot 8 weight that they had, uh, that they had made. I, I don't know who the blank 
comes by. And so I, I have that if I'm fishing salmon somewhere, but, uh, yeah, a couple rods, you know, one's high end. The other is what, maybe medium yeah. priced and they're, they're great. You know, I, I love those two rods and man, that 625, you know, I gulped when I did it then, but now like you say, it's $900 rod. So. Yeah. Well, that actually gets us into the next topic, which is brand. Oh, whole... you know what, Dave? I should interrupt and say this. One of the factors, too, in a rod purchase is the, the rod breakage guarantee. Uh, you know, if you buy a $200 rod and, and it, it comes without a guarantee, well, that may become a $750 rod if you break it a couple times and have to replace it. So Well, I noticed uh, that moonshine rods, they actually give you an extra tip. That's great because that's often the section that yeah. that's going to get broken unless you're like me and you step on it in the dark. <laughs> or you're like me yeah. and you leave it on the plane. Yes, that's right. two rods. Oh, man. So let's talk about brand here for a second. When you start talking about brand, you start getting into strong opinions and – but. If you know anything about branding, branding is all about a story. And I have to say, this is your area of expertise. This is what you do for a living in your strategy company. Right. And so uh, that's true. And, and it's, it's hard not it's hard to take my own advice on this. But um, every brand tells a story, which is why these brands, if you look at them, they all have young people generally who are uh, in all their videos or they'll have a, a, a personality they have April Vokey, not two guys in a room. Yeah, right? I don't think yeah. anybody's going to come calling yeah. at this point. <laughs> but really, they're trying to tell a story yeah. with mm-hmm. that, right? And well, it's one of the reasons why I thought, hey, a Winston would be cool because this is a made-in-Montana rod. There's the story. That's the story. That's the yeah. narrative. That's yep. exactly right. And, and and so brand does matter, but it probably ma- it certainly matters less technically than you think it does. And so Orvis for years was the blue cl- blue collar rod maker, great quality, affordable price. But they also have the higher end rods, which are the yep. H three. The H three now is their higher end rod. So what are some of the? Yeah, let's just think about that, Dave. If you're going to buy a a moderately priced rod, what are some of the brands you might look for? I'd look for Reddington, Moonshine, yeah. uh, TFO or Temple Fork Outfitters. Yeah, I've had a lot of friends that have used those. I've never tried one, but uh, I've heard really good things Saint about Croix, them. St. Croix, even yeah. Cabela's makes, yeah. they probably, what they do is use the same blank that some other oh, higher end brands do exact, out in China. That's exactly They it. just throw yeah. a different name on it. Yep. Um, I think there's Loomis, but Loomis is a typically a higher end yeah, brand. Yeah, but there so, are right. Loomis rods. Mm-hmm. There's just so many brands out there. There in fact, are. It is so confusing to me. It is. Um, so if you're going to buy based on the narrative, you're going to buy a Winston or a Sage or you know maybe Norvis. an Orvis. Yeah. And they're great rods. But... Yeah, exactly. I would start out with the lower end rod if I were just starting out. Uh, I just would, just simply yeah, because you need to focus on catching fish. Get a nine foot five weight, maybe a Rennington or a, a St. Croix or a TFO. And yep. actually, each of the brands have kind of a lower end rod, a middle mm-hmm. level rod, and a higher end rod. Or yeah. Norvis is like that too, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So I just, I I wouldn't overthink it. I just I agree. Unless, unless you're someone who yeah. can afford it and it's, it's ego for you or... For some reason, it's really important. Yeah. But I I remember fishing once. I was out in Utah, 
and I was out with a client, and we were staying at his place in Park City. It was right at the beginning uh, of his entrepreneurial journey was starting a financial services firm. So we were out there, and so we decided to get a guide for a day and fish. I think it was the middle Provo, and we get out there, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at his rod. Sure enough, he had the newest Winston rod, and I was thinking, you've been fishing fly fishing two times, wow. and here mm-hmm. you have yeah. one of the most expensive brands, at least in that first tier, uh, not a custom rod, but... <laughs> But th- if that's your thing, then that's fine. But yeah. in general, it's not going to make you yeah, a fly fishing. Right. Now, if I want a higher end rod, Dave, and say, "Hey, I, you know, I love this sport. You know, man, you know, for seven to nine hundred bucks, I can get something to last me for the next three decades." What What am I looking at then? So, if you're looking at the higher end rods, we've talked about this yeah. top top of the quote top of the line of this. What I'm saying is the first level yeah. of rods that are not custom. Uh, then you're looking at Loomis, you're looking at Sage, mm-hmm. you're looking at Winston. Um, I have a, yeah, the yeah. Scott rods. Mm-hmm. I have a, a Sage one. Uh, I think the most, the latest version of that is now a Sage X. It's a nine foot six. They're about 900, 950. The one thing about those rods, at least my Sage X, is that it's a very stiff rod. If I had it to do over again, I really like it for streamers. Mm-hmm. You can sling those things as, but yeah. For mending and nymphing, it's just a little harder. Yeah. It's just a little stiffer rod. Mm-hmm. It's not as stiff as yours okay. is. Okay, yeah. But again, if you want that higher-end rod, I'd say the right. H3 by Orvis mm-hmm. is another great rod. I really yeah. like oh, that H3. That is, that's nice. My brother bought one of those. He really likes yeah. it. You know, that's a that's something else we should say, too. If you're going to buy a, well, any rod, but especially a higher-end rod, boy, make sure you go in and you try it out. You you cast, uh, you know, a good store is going to have a place where you can go out and cast that rod so that you can find out if it if it you know, really fits you or, you know, if, if, if you like it. I mean, you don't want to pay 900 bucks and then say, eh, yeah, this, yeah, it doesn't have the action that I hoped it had. Are you criticizing me? Oh, no, that's true. That happened to you. But like you said, <laughs> you said that works well for for streamers. Totally. So there's yeah, your streamer no, exactly. rod. Yeah. I, and I love it for streamers. And, um, I mean, you can yeah. use that thing. You can cast that thing 100 feet. Yep. It, I can't cast that thing 100 feet, but you could cast it 200 feet. That thing is just an amazing rod. Yeah, but really it's a is. stiff rod. Yeah, it is. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it if all yeah. you're doing is dry fly sure. fishing. Well, that leads us to the final uh, issue you have to consider, and that is the action or the flex. So the industry standard has been the mid-flex. That's shocking, isn't it? Kind of right in the middle, the medium action. And that's, that's really the place to start. So a mid-flex rod, uh, that designation means that the rod flexes or bends in the middle of the rod when you cast your line. And that makes it versatile. It's good in most conditions, and it's forgiving. It's not too temperamental. Now, a tip flex or a fast action rod bends closer uh, to the tip, and what that does, it makes the rod more stiff. That's kind of like the one you have, but it gives you more power, especially on windy days. It's better for longer casts, but if you're a beginner, you can kind of struggle with the feel for that. Now, a full flex or a slow action rod is easy to cast, but 
it's really only good for short distances. I mean, you'll have to work harder to get the line out on long cast. I guess it would be like pedaling in, if you go back to our bicycle analogy, let's say you have a 10-speed, or what are they now? I have a mountain bike. I should know. There's a gazillion speeds on it. But it would be like pedaling in gear three on a 10 speed bike as opposed to gear nine. Yeah. Uh, the pedaling's a lot easier, but man, it sure takes a lot more effort. So that, that's, again, if you're a newcomer, you're probably looking at a mid flex action. You know, a fly shop owner can help you out. I, I do think my, uh, yeah, my Winston seems to be a little bit faster action, although it doesn't feel, it's not that stiff. So you just have to, <laughs> Try out the rod. Talk to somebody who knows something about it, which if, if you're at a fly shop, uh, those, those, those women and men are really helpful. They, they know their stuff, so uh, they can get you set up with something that's good. And we've talked about four-piece rods, too. That's the, that's the way to go, uh, so you can have a shorter rod, too. So I guess what we're saying is what, Dave? Well, the basics of buying a fly rod boil down to size, Nine foot five, nine foot six, eight and a half, four weight, uh, other sizes, but size materials such as boron, graphite. Well, graphite's the the big one, whether yeah. it's fiberglass or bamboo. Price is big. Brand and the two are connected. Price and brand are connected. And action, and it, it just doesn't need to be more complicated than that. I think if you're fishing small spring creeks. 98% of the time, 99% of the time, I'd probably buy an eight and a half four yeah. weight, wouldn't you? Yeah. An eight yep. and a half four weight. I would, yeah. Get a middle of the road, Orvis. Sure. And you're off and running. You'll be good to go. Well, have fun uh, looking at catalogs online and, uh, you know, picking up and playing with those fly rods in the fly shop and saving money and enjoy buying that rod. All right, time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a comment from Roger on our recent podcast on simplifying your fly fishing experience. Roger writes, When I first started fly fishing, everything went into my vest. As that became too much, I switched over to a sling pack. As that became heavier and heavier, I began using a lanyard. Now I leave the pack at the car or some spot on the trail, and I use the lanyard almost exclusively, except when wading. I pick out what I need, and it goes in a pocket or the vest, and I'm good to go. My lanyard has all of the essentials, and I add flies and tippets. Yeah. yeah. I love that idea of stripping it back, and the way yeah. he does it is he looks at where he's fishing yeah. mm -hmm. and and gets all that. It strips it back really at the yeah. car. Yeah, it really does. You really do. Or at he, the truck. That's what Roger does, yeah. You know, I've thought about a lanyard, too. That's always intrigued me. I've, I've never done that, but... Uh, Maybe one of these days I will uh, when my uh, fly vest starts feeling about as heavy as a flag jacket. <laughs> That'll be a good way to go. Well, finally, our last segment is Hook Set. This is where we set the proverbial hook and wrap up our podcast by sharing a quote that we reflect on briefly. Today's quote comes from Harry Middleton, an American outdoors writer. He wrote, Fishing is not an escape from life but often a deeper immersion into it. I'm ah. going to use that line with Jana when we go fly fishing next yes, week. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, when she's home trying to prepare for a... Corey's graduation. Your high school, son's high school graduation <laughs> party, and 
She says, Dave, you're escaping this. No, I'm not escaping from... From work. From work. I'm immersing myself more <laughs> deeply into life. <laughs> that actually is a really good Yeah, quote. it is. And it is. So often fishing is, is seen as being some sort of shallow escape. Yeah. It's and, a diversion. Right, exactly. It's really an immersion. Yeah, yeah. you do. You have an opportunity to engage with uh, nature more deeply. And it's not the only way that you can do that, but I think that's why... That's why people hunt. That's why you you mountain bike. That's why you you kayak. You know those things get you into the outdoors in a in, in an experience. You, yeah. you are you're really immersed in it. And you, you think about all the things that we've seen over the years, Dave, that have nothing to do with fly fishing, but that have to do with the outdoors. But we saw those. We were in position not only to see but to experience those because. We were fly fishing. Yeah, yeah, yep. that, that is good. And I was thinking as you talked just now, there's so much of life is mediated through something, and you know, you don't yeah. you live in the suburbs, yeah. and you know, you're protected from this or that. And but man, when you're out fishing and you're in the outdoors, you are. It's it's a direct experience with nature, a direct experience yeah. with the river. There's nothing mediated between you and that experience. That's right. It's, it's it's full on. It's an immersion. Yeah, it really is. Well, I think that's enough for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.